Hi everyone, I'm Jennifer, the host of Ikigai with Jennifer Shinkai, where we're going to talk about the Japanese concept of Ikigai or living a life of purpose. Here you're going to hear inspirational stories from all different types of people who are finding their own life of purpose. You're going to hear about how they found their Ikigai and what they do every day to live an integrated life. So without further ado, let's dive right in. Before we dive in, let me take a moment to let you know of an open Ikigai and Points of View workshop that I decided to offer based on this interview with Violet Pachileo. So in the interview, Violet talks about how attending this workshop gave her the push that she needed to take the next step in her Ikigai and to change her life completely. Really huge changes that you will see and hear about in her interview today. So the workshop is going to happen for three hours on Thursday, June the 10th, 2021. It's going to start at 9.30 a.m. Japan time. And if you use the discount code podcast, you can get 2,000 yen off all the different types of tickets. So there is an early bird ticket, which finishes on May the 31st, midnight Japan time, as well as a VIP ticket, where not only will you get to join the group workshop, but you get to have a one hour one-on-one coaching with me, where we can really drill down into your next step. So I hope to see you there. The links to sign up from on PTIX will be in the show notes. So now, without further ado, let's dive right in. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to Ikigai with Jennifer Shinkai. Thank you very much for joining us today. My extra special guest, Violet Pachileo. Have I said your name right? Yes, I think so. Thank you. I was always checking. I butchered someone's name in a meeting today. It was quite embarrassing, so glad to have overcome that first hurdle. So I have known Violet for quite a few years in her previous life. So we met at Mums in Business. Oh, yeah, that's yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. by Emily LaRue. Yeah. When you were high-flying, super corporate, all-in, hedge fund, finance genius, you know, amazingly <laughs> bilingual, power suited it up the whole time. Quite intimidating, to be honest. But I also had a massive fangirl on you as well. Because I think you went to the same university as my boss at the time, David Church. I think we might have got, no, we went to the same school. School, that's it. Yes, we both went to Berry Grammar School. He went to the boys, I went to the girls, obviously. Yes, so we had, I think I'd had some drinks with David at the time as well. Yeah, and I think it was one of the chamber events. And I remember the three of us having a conversation about school. There you go. Yes, I need to catch up with him as well. Yeah. But now you are, despite you, well, you're still a seasoned finance professional, but uh, in 2019, you popped into my Ikigai, Discover Your Ikigai workshop, the points of view version with your partner. And we were in uh, in Kinshjo and then delighted to see that you have made an absolute adjustment to the way you live your life. You have moved to Kochi, you are now about to open next year a CrossFit warehouse. Is that the word? CrossFit, yeah, retreat. Retreat, yes, uh, in Otoyo. And uh, also working as a consultant for VP Advisors and a TV star I was watching before <laughs> today on NHK <sighs> World. And I'll put the, the link in the show notes. It's a really beautiful video and what a gorgeous place that you live in. So thank you very much, Violet, for joining today. It's all happened very quickly and I really appreciate your flexibility on it. 
Thank you for having me and congratulations on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. I'm really uh, congratulations for you on integrating your Ikigai in such a brilliant yeah. way. And what I'd really like to get out of, you know, this interview and conversation, interview sounds too much, doesn't it? Conversation is to think about what that mindset shift was, all the different feelings and sensations you had at the different points when you were thinking, okay. I am this amazing woman, as Jennifer has described me. <laughs> yes, that, that, I mean, this is all true. But you, you said to me, like, something's not quite right. So mm. could you start there and tell us a little bit about sort of how that felt, what was going on for you? So I changed jobs. I think when I first met you, I was working for an investment bank. And then I changed jobs in 2018. And... I guess, you know, it wasn't a cultural fit. And I, was, I wasn't sure if this was something I wanted to be doing in 10 years time, you know, was it time for me to move on? And I just couldn't make the decision because you work so hard for your career. You know, I was in finance for about, give or take, 15 years. And there's been struggles and it's not easy, especially in Japan as a woman, to work in those types of industries. And then I was just getting to the point where my career was about to take off, you know, hopefully. And I felt like if I'd step away now, I might be making a really bad decision. And at the same time, my husband was a stay-at-home dad. You know, we have three kids and I was the main earner, so... I just felt like it would be really irresponsible for me to step back from it all and do something completely different because it's a huge risk. Yeah. So obviously that was getting me down. I was depressed. I was drinking a lot. I was making bad life choices, which I think a lot of people in that industry tend to do. I see a lot of that. You know, you, they, I see my friends now and they, they always look tired and they've got bags on their eyes. And I think I was one of those people that was just living life because you feel like that is what you're meant to do because mm. you're you're taught to believe that you know wall street is is glamorous and this finance industry and the stock market and you you're made to believe that that is the glamorous life that you should try and aim for mm. so it was really hard for me to to make the step and transition into something different but i knew i wanted to so you know i was curious with your ikigai uh, workshops you were doing because you know I'm half Japanese I know what ikigai means it's everyone knows what it means in Japan and it's it's something you should live your life for happiness for something that that you feel passionate about and I know I wasn't living that life yeah so yeah my husband I I didn't (laughs) I was too scared to go by myself I was (laughs) I was I kind of convinced my husband to go with me but he was he was in a different place in his life. He'd, he'd already lived his ikigai and he was already retired and he was already kicking back and enjoying life being a stay-at-home dad. So I don't think he needed to be at the workshop and I don't think his life changed since. But for me, it was a big push that I needed. Mm, yeah. Or maybe he was just living this like different, his different form of ikigai, right? As this... As a stay-at-home dad. As a stay-at-home dad, yeah. Yeah, living for happiness. I love how you describe that. So I want to come back to a couple of things that you've talked about. So one is you you mentioned, right? So everyone in Japan knows what Ikigai is. So I would love to hear like how you have like learned what Ikigai is or how you would phrase it. Well, it's, I think it's just basically Ikiru Imi, <laughs> meaning of life. I think that's it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, we're not taught that word, but it's just something that everyone knows. I don't know what, I don't know why 
I, everyone knows it, but it's just one of those words that everyone does. And Yeah, I was um, listening last week to an interview I did with Dr. Akihiro Hasegawa, who's a researcher here in Tokyo and does loads yeah. of really interesting work about ikigai. And he's like, it's just like air. Hmm. Ikigai is just like air. It's just there. That's so interesting because mm. I was just talking to my husband, Carlo, about, you know, doing this podcast. And he explained what that is to him. And he said that, he said, uh, he explained it and he said, you have to find something that gives you that feeling. It's exactly the same as eating, breathing, you know, things that you do every day. And I guess it's like air, it's, it's just there. You have to find that thing that you live for. Otherwise, there's no meaning to your life. Love it. Goosebumps. <laughs> really? Goosebumps. Well done. <laughs> And I also wanted to, you know, just acknowledge what you said about a lot of those shoulds that you felt in the finance industry. Yeah. Yeah. Like I see that a lot. I felt like I experienced that myself when I did my career shift too. Like, you know, I should be in a, in a corporate, I should be doing these things. I'm, you know, I should be at this salary level and I should be then like, as you said, like moving into the next phase. So my next yeah. job is director. It's like that. Yeah. Don't, it's not. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. not making me, and I, I think also what you mentioned about like the conflict of being, you know, the primary uh, breadwinner. Yeah. Right. And and how can you tell me a little bit more about that sort of conflict between you said like it was difficult to kind of walk away and give up mm. because you'd been sort of so pulled towards it. How did that like manifest itself? How did it show up? A lot of things. I mean, the stress level at work and the stress was in hindsight, probably a lot of it was caused because I wasn't in the right type of role Mm. or right type of industry or I wasn't doing my ikigai job so that was probably adding to the stress as well but seeing the stay-at-home dad having fun doing his hobbies and me you know slaving away getting stressed out and just just didn't make sense to me I was getting Mm. jealous so I'd be snapping and I'd be angry and it wasn't it wasn't his fault it was me making the wrong life choices and I was blaming it on him so I think um, as a mother and as a wife, I needed to make a change to be a better person. I think when you're in a stressful role or when you're in a a life stage, if it's not the right fit for you, me anyway, it was causing a lot of stress and it just, it was making, it wasn't making me a nice person. It was making me into a horrible person. And, you know, I'm sure it would have led to a divorce if I'd stayed in Tokyo. Anyway, sorry, sorry. It's a bit deep. No, (laughs) thank you for your honesty and vulnerability, because I think a lot of people are like going through those things that those same feelings of like, I'm not, this is not making, as you could describe this, and I'm not being my best self. I'm not being a nice person here. It's really affecting the relationships. And yet to leave behind this income, to leave behind this glamour, yeah. to leave behind these like status, yeah. which is inherent in that ta- in that world and in that type of role. And it's not just in finance, many, many other industries as well. And as you said, mm. at this point where it's about to like go to the next level, I think it's incredibly brave but also incredibly self-aware Yeah, to be like, what is, what's the balance that I want to have? Yeah, it was difficult. I've had a very volatile upbringing. So maybe that could have, you know, been something that played a role in my decision-making. You know, I grew, I grew up in Japan to a, I guess, middle-class family. My dad paid for me to go to a 30,000 pounds a year boarding school in England but then my parents got divorced and he stopped paying for me because his new wife didn't want to pay for the kids so you know I I ended up being financially 
you know, not uh, not dependent on my parents from age 16 for A-levels onwards. And that was really hard for me. And I ended up living in a council estate and, um, you know, not making great choices. And I probably wouldn't have gone to university. I did go to university, but I could have made really horrible choices and I could have ended up dead on the street. That's how bad it was. But then I turned that around and I became a really ambitious person from that through those experiences I had I thought okay I need to find a job that pays a lot of money so I'm never going to be in this situation again and I remember flicking through you know those career books at university and they have industry breakdowns on how much you earn and I thought (laughs) I saw the finance section I thought this is what I'm going to do and you know and you see lots of tv movies about how glamorous the stock market is so I thought this is what I need to do so I you know, fortunate to join Nomura when I came back to Japan uh, after university. And then my career kind of started from there. But so I was definitely in the industry for the wrong reasons. You know, I thought it was glamorous. I just wanted to make money. You know, I, I wanted the status. And then once you start working in that industry, you get to meet lots of important people. You get to be invited to, you know, ambassadors parties or, you know, CEO. You get, you get to meet lots of big company, big, big name CEOs. And it's really exciting. And I got sucked into that I guess it's the false world of of the way of living, but that's not you. That's the company. It's not me doing all those things. Mm. It was really hard to step away from it. And also, you know, I'm always trying to, you're always trying to reach that salary level. Like you were saying, you know, you want to be that director and you want to be, you know, the senior, senior director. And then you want to achieve, you want to be earning what the next person's earning. And you see the types of places they're living in and, and the cars they have. And I want, I wanted all those things. But at the same time, my personal life at home was crumbling. I was right. not a good person. I wasn't sleeping enough. I was gaining weight. I was drinking too much. You know, I was snapping at the kids. And one of the things my kids said to me when I moved here is, Mommy, you, you don't get as angry anymore. And he said, oh, I'm sorry. I used to get so angry. And uh, my son said, um, he said, I miss being in Tokyo because we, I had more friends, but I like it here because you're not angry. <laughs> I must have been so horrible but um you know I think work stress is it worth it is it worth making all that money because you don't need 10 pairs of $2,200 jeans I can get by with two pairs of $20 you know Uniqlo jeans I don't need to have all those things I don't need to send my kids to all sorts of expensive things that they can do after school I mean they're they're happy here running around in the mountains so it was tough to make that transition but now we've made it I'm I'm a lot happier that's amazing really I love what your previous driver was right so you can almost say like that your your ikigai at some point was about like that search for status and financial freedom like I want to live I want to live in a way so I don't have to experience that pain Mm. of not being financially independent like that drove you for a period of time and then there was you know like the into the lifestyle but then you, you know, you, you've mentioned um, many of the things which are going on. I love your story about your son. Oh, he probably didn't like it though. So. But no, amazing. But um, and you're not the first person. Like last uh, episode seven, I want to say with Jess Garrity, you know, she said that she's noticed physically since she started to do kudo that her response to stress 
Yeah. He has three kids as well. Mm. Um, her response to stress and how she said, I can't remember the last time I raised my voice to them. Wow. That's a good mom. Well, but this was not like who she was before. And she's found something that helps to regulate who she is and, and how she wants to live. It's amazing transformation. Yeah. Yeah. But so you came to my workshop and your life changed. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't like to take all the credit, of course. <laughs> but you, you sort of, so you came in wanting something and then what happened you know during the workshop after the workshop what was the story after that to making this brave step I think um I have to just mention that I have I know Ikigai is not a personality test but um I've taken those you know Briggs uh, Myers-Briggs test twice for work and I've taken another one while I was at the hedge fund I can't remember it was it's slightly different so I've taken different courses over the years enough to understand or to be self-aware of what my uh, personality type and traits are. And so going into Ikigai, I already had that in my mind. So um, I kind of, you know, doing the workshop, just what's the word, not reinforced, but reminded me what type of person I was. Yes. And I just needed that push. I just needed that final push to take the leap and to, to be brave enough to do it. You know, my husband's always said, because he's a, you know, he used to be a firefighter, a medic, police officer, and then he joined uh, Blackwater, which is a private security company and all those things because he wanted to pursue his ikigai. Because he says to me, you know, and you know, when I met him, he was earning less than me. And I just couldn't understand why he would put his life in danger and earn less than I was when I was in an office. Like it just made no mm. sense to me. But he said he never does it for the money. Uh, he said he wouldn't do it for free, but he says as long as he can have enough food on the table and a roof over his head he said he'll do it you know if it makes him happy and he said you need to find something that makes you feel like that he said you need to find that spark that you wake up in the morning and if you can't roll out bed and get the the day going then you know there's something wrong and I just couldn't get out of bed for a long time I was so depressed but I wasn't happy in my life so I think the Ikigai workshop I wanted to do it because I knew I needed to change but I just couldn't I couldn't be brave enough to make that step first step and the Ikigai helped me work through those conflicts I was having in my mind so October I took the workshop and then I made the decision to move the family in January so it was definitely the push I needed Mm. the workshop yeah really helped me so just that that act of acknowledging that things are not good yeah right this is not how I want to live Mm. then finding some push some external stimulus maybe to just give you almost it sounds like you just needed the permission slip yeah maybe to say you can do it because you know everything was already in you yeah the idea was already there I think one nice thing about like going to a workshop is I actually think like hearing other people's dreams yeah. and like sharing that. And, and I, that's why I love, I love doing that type of work because you see how excited people get yeah, and how excited someone else is about like what you share. Yeah. And it just gives you this, this sense that, oh, maybe this is actually possible for me. Mm. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And it was nice to do it in a group setting. Because, you know, when you're at home and you, you try and bounce ideas off someone you've been married to for over 10 years, it doesn't always work. So yeah. <laughs> having an external, put someone, a third party, third person give you uh, advice or, you know, if you can vocalise it with someone else, it definitely does help. I think it's sometimes easier to do it with a third party because, yeah. you know, they don't have any any skin in the game. You know, it's not like, oh, hang on, if she does this, I'm going to have to move from Tokyo to 
coachy and uh, <laughs> my life's going to be turned upside down. Yeah. I'm not sure I want to support this, right? So sometimes like having that ventilation of the idea with other people who are not going to have to live with any of the consequences of what you like the outcome of this workshop. Yeah. You know, it's very easy to like crush the idea as a family member or as a, a stakeholder in, in anything, right? So sometimes there's that benefit to like just, you know, even if it's, even though I'll say they're raising it with friends, sometimes friends are like, oh, but I don't want Violet to leave Tokyo. <laughs> yeah, no, are you sure? Seems a bit of a risky. I did get a lot of, isn't that very risky? You know, there are other jobs. Maybe instead of leaving the industry completely, why don't you look for a different job and change jobs instead of change industry? Because I've gone from you know, working in finance, investment banks and hedge funds to, you know, looking at the stock market. So now I don't look at the stock market at all. <laughs> <laughs> so, so tell me more like what your your daily life is like now. So my mother's here. My the, Alto is my mother's ancestral town. And judging from the names on the grave, I think we've been living here for over 400 years. Oh, wow. In this exact where this house is standing. So the, this house was rebuilt 50 years ago. It's still a wooden Japanese house, but the old house was here. And then previously to that, it's always been in this spot, which I think I really like about that. There's history to it. And you know, my mom owns, well, the family owns some land because we were farmers before previously a hundred years ago and um so we still own some land and i'm lucky that we we can do what we want with it there's about 100 or so yuzu trees um, my granddad um, planted them a while back he wasn't a farmer but i guess it was just a hobby for him right so now we have to manage it <laughs> <laughs> well, when i say we i say my husband <laughs> <laughs> so my daily life would be take the kids to school and then I'm working on my VP advisors, I guess, trying to get things moving. I'm working with a web designer right now to create a VP advisors website. I am also working with the Japan Olympic Weightlifting Association to try and bring their training here. So we had them come and visit yesterday and we went and visited four different facilities. They're all abandoned schools. Oh my goodness. Um, so somebody from the prefecture came, someone from the town hall came and the association came, and the board members from the association came and we walked around and looked around. That was yesterday and that was Sunday. And then today, so the website I'm doing for VP Advisors CrossFit is going to be built next year, but I'm applying for a grant. So it's 120 million yen investment in total, trying to get half of that funded by the, the central government. And then I'll have to raise the rest. So I'm always meeting banks or the local chamber. I'm also working with the local Kochi University. They've heard what I'm trying to do here, trying to re revitalize this region by opening a CrossFit. So Kochi Prefecture is going to use our facility as part of their sports tourism concept. And then Kochi University is going to work with us to bring in people from uh, listed, large listed Japanese corporates who, who, may, who may be based in Tokyo, Osaka. Bring about 10 of those people here from different companies. And then we'll get together and try and come up with different ideas to revitalize this area. Right. Otoyo was the first town in Japan to be named uh, Genkai Shuraku, which is a marginalized town. A marginalized town. Yeah. And what does that mean? It means when more than 50% of the population is over 65 and there's been a certain percentage of uh, population decline over the years. And I'm sure there's other meaning to it, but yeah. that's all I know. Um, so it's 
this town has seen a huge loss of people. I remember coming to visit here to visit my grandparents when I was younger. And there was a short guy, you know, there were lots of people living here, about 20,000 people living here in, in the 70s. So now there's only 3,000 people. And of which 65% of them are over 70 or something like that. So there's not many people left. Uh, all the schools are closed down. So that's right. why there's a lot of abandoned schools. My kids have to get the bus for 20 minutes or 25 minutes to get to the only school, which only has like 10 kids in, in each year. Wow. Um, you know, so when the d- population decreases, the young people and the talented people are migrating to cities. So we're losing lots of talent. There's nobody running pr- business, private businesses anymore. So the town is not uh, bringing in enough income from tax revenue. There's just not enough money going around. And I, I want to be able to change that. Like initially, I thought last year, you know, maybe I could contact these large corporations because I've got their, you know, business cards and then maybe try and get them to come and invest in this town. And I thought, hold on a minute, you know, how am I going to get paid through that? I'm just going to be <laughs> volunteering, trying to bring pitch this town. So I tried to pitch the idea to the town, but they, they weren't very, um, you know, I don't think they they wanted to work with me. So uh, I decided to just do it myself. And if I can start off with uh, building the CrossFit retreat, it's a small investment, but I'm hoping that that will create a community here and maybe it will bring more people here. The Japan Weightlifting Association said that, not the association itself, but the courtship branch of the association said that, you know, once we open, they'd be happy to host some competitions here. And it doesn't even have to be with the association. We can have our own weightlifting competition here. So that'd be great if we can bring something. Yeah. You know, can I host Spartan races or any other races? Trail running, I've recontacted Emily, but <laughs> I, I don't think we can. Our town is not going to be able to accommodate all the people that right. travel with in. a lot of tents. Yeah. With lots of tents, no hotels. <laughs> Do you want to go gee and sleep under the stars, but maybe not the weekend warriors like myself who demand a hot bath afterwards, yeah. right? How oh, do you go to the the do you attend the Spartan race? I do, I do, yes. I'm supposed to, I am signed up for July. I'm not sure about oh, it yet. Okay. I'm not sure I can run in July, but that's my, I'm not very Spartan. Like one year of uh, lockdown has unspartaned me. <laughs> well, now you can come and train at CrossFit Oteo. Well, we're not called CrossFit Oteo yet. I just want to make sure, you know. We're not affiliated yet. Not affiliated yet. Watch this space. Watch this space. We're still in the process of building the facility. There's nothing here yet. But I, I love what you said. Um, and, and also when we were speaking before we started to record, right, you know, you had all these ideas and, you know, I'm, I'm going to bring my consulting background and all of this. And you pitched it. And then it was like, shing, yeah. like let the looms. And then what I think is the, you know, the resilience part and what is so brilliant is I am just going to do it myself. Yeah, And then through being this trailblazer and through having skin in the game as well, that gives more opportunities to other people to go, okay, it can be done. So it reduces the risks for others. Yeah. Um, and I think that's that's really powerful, right? So once people start mm-hmm. to see that, like, oh, there's, you know, this rafting company I saw in the, the NHK video and the, the family that they, they came back. And, no, they didn't come back, right? They just left Tokyo for Kochi. Yeah. For the cafe. Yeah. Right? You know, these items, these people who are going from the city to the inaka, to the countryside, once you start to see other people doing it and make it happen, then there is a chance uh, to create a new community. And I'm sort of seeing a Shitamachi version where I live. Yeah, yeah. So I'm in Sumiraku uh, in a place called Kyojima. Yeah. And, you know, one guy launched a share cafe. 
yeah maybe six years ago yeah I think that was one of the first things and now there's so many artisan cafes selling like 600 yen cafe lattes like, uh-huh. How much? <laughs> but you know <laughs> their, uh, and then like there's just they're, they're taking these old houses and they're redoing them and now yeah. we have like a little wine shop yeah. do you remember apero did you ever go to Apero in Minami Aoyama? Anyway, they just opened a wine shop. But like, why is there a wine shop in my downtown? Mm. Like, nobody drinks wine. But it's just kind of becoming this new this new center. And yeah. I think that's sort of what you're trying to do in yes. Otoya. Otoyo, sorry, not Otoya. Yes. Totally different. I might be over ambitious. Um, the local people, the local town people are quite and maybe they've seen it before. So that when I tell them what I'm trying to do, they can be quite negative. So I try and remove myself from that negativity, but uh, to keep myself positive. Mm. But I have to be ambitious. I, I think that's what David taught me. David Shirt taught me, my, my old boss. You know, everything is about selling. You know, he was a great salesman and I learned a lot from him. I'm now here, I'm selling, I'm trying to sell my ideas. I'm trying to sell myself, I'm not myself in that, in that way, but, you know, I'm trying to, pitch the ideas that I have and you know I that's the first thing I did when I first when I moved here and I I was lucky enough to do the one week NHK episode which gave me access to all sorts of different local people so after the NHK program I created a presentation to talk about what this town is going through what it could what you know solutions that I came up with and then what can we do like just in Japanese I I made a presentation and I started pitching it to everyone I went to the local bank and then when I pitched it to the local courtship bank they went and brought their board of director out for me so the next week the board of director came down to Otoyo and uh, I pitched it to him too and then I pitched it to the local town office and I pitched and then the word got around and they called your prefecture heard that I was pitching so they wanted to meet me and nothing it didn't lead to any money-making you know, great scheme, but it got me to network with lots of different people. And and it, I wouldn't be where I am now, you know, eight months down the line, if I hadn't done that, I got to meet loads of people. And all these people are now helping me not financially, but in, in ways, you know, maybe they, they could give me advice, or they're trying to include me in their court university project, or they'll say, Oh, we know this other person that might be able to help you. So it, it's, it's been a great, eye-opening experience because in, in Japan it's all about networking yeah. it's all about who you know so you know and how did that um that NHK interview NHK world uh 30 minutes violet show come about it was by chance somebody who I'd met who I so I wanted to use one of the local schools and turn it into a hotel and cross it retreat that's what I wanted to do last year and uh, I thought mm, who's doing that in this area so I t- looked around and there was one lady who was renting a school and she was using made turned it into a, a like a tatami room not a, an upscale hotel but it's like a minshiku okay it's like a bed and breakfast bed and breakfast well they don't serve food it's okay just, a bed a, right a hostel yes hostel is that what we call it yes the right word <laughs> So I called her out the blue and I'm like, hi, you don't know me, but is it okay if I come and look at your school? And she said, yes, I went to meet her. And then two weeks later, she called me up and she said, NHK is coming to this town and they're looking for a bilingual uh, person that can be a reporter because because of coronavirus, the, the reporter that they were going to use can't travel. Right. And I was like, yeah, great, I'll do it. So that's how it came about. Wonderful. So <laughs> I, I feel like the first thing yeah. is that... Okay, who's doing something similar? Yeah. This path has been traveled, so let's find that. Let's find the way to make this next step as easy as possible, right? Somebody's always mm. done something similar. Maybe not exactly the same flavor, maybe not. So that's like a great tip. 
And then second is the, you don't know me, but I'm ringing you. And then she said, yes. Yeah. I think a lot of times people will be like, yeah, this person, I could ask for help or I could ask for advice, but, oh, what if they say no? What if they like think I'm rude Mm. or too pushy? It's like, well then no harm, no foul, right? Just ask. She said yes, because most people are amazing. Most people like to give advice. If you go to them and say, I love what you're doing. They like praises. Yes. And they like to give advice. Yes. So. <laughs> so, you know, like have that have that knowledge when you make the phone call or like send the LinkedIn request that yeah. most people are going to be happy to talk about themselves. I mean, that's why I've got a podcast, right? Otherwise, I wouldn't be <laughs> able to. No, but I'd have no guests. It'd just be me. And that was the original problem with my book. It was just me going blah, 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 blah. Oh. And the agent said, great story. Yeah. Got any other ways to live a life? Got any other examples? Bit of diversity? <laughs> yeah. So um, it's good to it's good to have like other examples and that people want to want to share yeah. it. So I think and, and then you said yes. You said mm-hmm. yes. Like, do you have any presenting experience, Violet? <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know. Ask me about the stock market. You know, ask me about you know Japanese companies and uh, but. No presenting experience yeah. whatsoever. Um, but but NHK apparently likes it and they have come up with, I don't know if they're going to make it into a series, but I'm doing a Genkai Shuraku, another Genkai Shuraku episode where we're going to go to a, I guess we're filming it next week and I guess I'm not allowed to say where, but we're going to film it in a different location. I'm flying there in Japan and uh, we're going to do another episode based on Genkai Shuraku marginal town and what that town is doing to try and revitalize the region apparently it's worked and I'm going in there you know coming from Otoyo and I have to go in there and try and learn and and see if I can take anything back to the town I think that's the the theme of the episode the people of Otoyo better watch out when you come back with all these uh, ideas this ambitious I don't know I mean I I told the town I'm doing it and I told the prefecture I'm doing it and I said would you like me to write a report about it and they said no so (laughs) I'm gonna do it anyway you're gonna do it anyway they just don't want to pay me so I'll just do it anyway that's a different that's a different thing I, I think there's yeah there's just so many opportunities for revitalization in Japan right now yes it takes people though like yourself to just go you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a try because Tokyo will stay there yeah Tokyo's always there you can you can come back anytime you like I think what I've found out like you know through the last eight months living here is the because of people the talented people moving away the people that are left here tend to be the and okay this sound gonna very rude but they holders of tradition holders of tradition perhaps you know junior high school might be the last school they attended not much travel experience haven't gone overseas so they don't have the same, like an international view that a right. person that is living in Tokyo might have. Mm. So those experiences and backgrounds are so useful when it when you come here. And anybody living in the city with that international background, or even not even if you don't have an international background, if you work for a, 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 com- a, a large company, for example, those experiences of how a big company is run will do really well over here because they, nobody knows. Nobody's ever worked for a big company. Right. They don't know how... They don't even know what diversity means. They don't know what unconscious bias is. They don't think that there's a gender equality issue, even though there is. You know. I, I'm hosting a, a circuit training class for over 70s ladies at the chamber 
or Toyo Chamber. Toyo Chamber is interestingly the only chamber, according to Toyo, the only chamber in Japan that has a woman as a chair. I don't know if that's true. Oh, Toyo. If you count the international ones, there's local chamber of commerce. Yes, I think that's、right. what they mean. And、uh, so I just spoke to her, and she said she'd be, you know, happy to do the class, and she'll come and she'll invite some people. But I said, okay, look, what time should we do it? Because these are all business owners; these are all CEO female business owners that are part of the chamber women's network. So I said, what time should we do it? Should we do it at six o'clock so everybody's finished work? She said, oh no, 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 you know, women are not meant to be outside of the house at that time of the day. And I said, "Oh,、uh, okay, four." She goes, "Well, we have to prepare dinner, so we're not going to be able to." I was like, "I was like, okay, um, eleven." She's like, "Well, we have to make lunch for our husbands, so you know, women can't be out of the house during those times." I'm just like, "Wow, wow, <laughs> yeah." Feels like a quite a. So, did 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 you come to a time when women are allowed to be out of the house? Uh, weekends, <laughs> well, weekdays at two, or weekends、um, early on. Right. So it doesn't interfere with their lunch schedule. <laughs> Goodness, like、yeah. you, you can imagine that. Yeah, it's hard. Like people are, are time poor if they're running their business and those things.、Mm. But that that reason behind it, it's kind of. <laughs> so they're running their women-led business and they're leading, managing the household. It's、uh, women. These are types of issues women faced. In you know UK US over hundred years ago I think or maybe、mm. not not that long ago but here it's still prevalent you still see it and when I try and talk to them about gender equality it just just don't we're not on the same level I don't think they understand、yeah. what, where I'm coming from yeah yeah well when the women not allowed. <laughs> Not supposed to be, and not supposed、mm. to be out of the house because of these things. Yeah, but also they're all over seventy, so you know, right, women in that era. Yeah, it's so unfortunate. Because if that's the the prevailing mindset, you can almost see why maybe more switched on younger people who have more access to different things because of media and social yeah, media. Yeah, yeah. Have gone. I'm not going to stay here. I don't want that life for myself either. So I'll go and live in a. Yeah, we'll go and live in a tiny house in the city because、mm. I'm, I'm I'm allowed to be out of it. Yeah, different times. Yeah, that makes sense. That's probably one of the reasons why young people do, especially women, move out. If that's the expectation that the older ladies are having of them, right. It's not. It's not such an attractive thing. But you know, you've come in as a fully formed human with all your experiences, and you're able to say, "Well, that's not going to work for me." Like that's,、mm. you know, you do you, and I'm going to、yeah, do、yeah. me. And、yeah. I'm going to open my CrossFit、yeah. gym、um, <laughs> and have this retreat. Yeah, going to do do these things that、yeah. that make me happy, right?、Yeah. So I can get out of bed, and I'm not going to lose sleep over whether you're making your husband's bento or not his lunchbox <laughs> for him. <laughs> Yeah. So, Violet, if you had、yeah. a piece of advice for someone who is, especially in in that period where you were, yeah, like around the time that you came to the workshop,、mm. what would you say to them? Definitely take the Ikigai workshop because thanks, nice plug. It, no, <laughs> it did make a big difference for me, but it did help that I I had that Myers Briggs or whatever personality test, you know. That I did before because I had I was self aware of what my personality traits were before I came in.、Mm. I think that helped me、uh, take the workshop. It's difficult to make a big change in your life, but it doesn't have to be such a drastic change like me. <laughs> even small changes,、yeah. like changing jobs, or even you know 
waking up an hour earlier or sleeping more could be a change that might help because you can manage stress levels in different ways yes right it doesn't have to be a a massive move to the countryside yeah it can just be you know buying a buying some nice flowers and Mm. putting them on your desk is uh my mind today they're bringing me yourself Yeah. yeah bringing me a lot of joy and supporting a small business as well with these so makes me makes me happy yeah yeah, but I also uh, love what you say about like like developing that self-awareness. So, you know, mm. you were fortunate through um, your professional development in your previous companies that they had invested in these kinds of uh, Myers-Briggs or other different mm. types of personality tests. But there's so many of those available online. You, you know, if you're feeling that like something's not right, like learn who you are. Yeah. Right. Have a bit of a navel gaze and like enjoy it. And yeah. what makes me tick and, and and what makes me excited and any work that you can do around discovery work mm. makes it sound hard. Just enjoy it. Be curious about yourself. Yeah, and definitely. Yeah. It, and it's a little bit fitness related too, because that's where I'm trying to go with this business. You know, we, something that Carlo and I think about and how we're going to promote this business to a bunch of people that have never exercised before. And it's kind of like Ikigai too, your health and well-being, not just the mental state, stress levels, but also making sure you're living a healthy life is really important to have an active, long life. Mm. You see lots of people, whether it's caused by stress or drinking too much or smoking or not sleeping enough or overeating or, you know, all sorts of different um, reasons that you see more people having issues with their bodies but it's all something that you can change it's it's all based on the the choices you make so ikigai is part of that i think making sure you're kind to yourself and um, investing in yourself because nobody else is going to do that for you your husband's not going to your spouse isn't going to do it your mother's not going to your father's not going to your kids aren't going to do it for you you have to do it and uh, for me it was just realizing that I have to take control of my own life because otherwise I would have, you know, I probably would have had a heart attack so early on. So finding Ikigai, I think, directly correlates, relates to um, making good decisions and looking after your health and mental health and your physical health. Wonderful. I love that. And if you want to live a long and healthy life, then weight training is very important, especially for women, right? For osteoporosis. So get yourself down to... Oteo Strength. Yes. yes. Oteo Strength. Coming coming soon. Coming soon to 2022. So keep in touch with us and let us know uh, when it opens. And we're really, really happy to share all your links and uh, maybe come Thank to Kochi. And uh, yeah, very excited to see the next iteration of your Ikigai. And uh, yeah, watch out for your uh, next NHK World video as well. Yeah, coming out in July. Yes, I shall be keeping my eyes peeled on the NHK World website. Well, thank you so much, Violet. It was an absolute pleasure. Um, I hope that the banging around in the background, someone is obviously integrating their Ricky guy by building a new house next to me. Uh, so it's uh, always fun in the Stamachi this time mm-hmm. of year. Uh, so thank you for your patience. And I really wish you the best of luck. And I hope everyone has been amazingly inspired by Violet's story as well. So all her links, you can uh, follow the progress of the Kochi Otoya Strength CrossFit excitement and be ready for when it opens. And also, um, yeah, she, I'm sure she'll be very happy to hear any questions around that as well. So thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. I hope you enjoyed listening to me and Violet have a good old chin wag 
about her Ikigai and I wanted to remind you of the upcoming Ikigai and Points of View workshop that Violet also joined that gave her the push to move forward. So you can check the links below um, in the show notes and log in and register on PTIX. The workshop is happening on June the 10th. And if you use the discount code podcast, you will get 2000 yen off all the tickets. So I do hope to see you uh, sign up before May the 31st for the early bird ticket. And if you are feeling like you want a little bit of extra coaching and advice around the next step of your Ikigai, make sure to sign up for the VIP ticket, which includes the workshop as well as one hour uh, online coaching with me. So I look forward to seeing you there and hearing about your Ikigai. Thank you so much for listening today. I really hope that you found something you could take away from the episode to help you find your own Ikigai and integrate it into your daily life. And I'd love to hear exactly what resonated with you. So pop over to see me on LinkedIn or on my Facebook page. You can find the links in the show notes below. And let me know what you thought was the most important takeaway from the podcast today. And sharing is caring. So feel free to share this episode with one of your friends who you think could benefit from hearing about living a life of purpose. Looking forward to see you on the next episode of Ikigai with Jennifer Shinkai.